what those reporting on the impact from COVID-19 on business aviation think of our industry's response to the pandemic, and what will drive our recovery from it. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. The coronavirus pandemic has affected the aviation industry as hard as any other crisis in any of our memories, with financial, technical, operational, medical, and other influences putting an historic drag on the sector. From my own experiences, I can tell you this is usually a fascinating and exciting industry to cover as an aviation writer. But lately, as companies have curtailed production and furloughed workers, and we increasingly see business aircraft idled on airport ramps around the country, well, with the good must come the bad, and most of the news we've had to report lately has been pretty bad. That said, covering the business aviation industry also offers a unique perspective on it. And today I'm pleased to welcome veteran aviation journalists Bill Garvey and Carrie Lynch to offer their insights on this situation and its long-term effects. Carrie is senior editor for Aviation International News, while Bill serves as editor-in-chief of Business and Commercial Aviation Magazine and is also a business aviation columnist for Aviation Week and Space Technology. They join us today from their respective home offices. Carrie, if you're like me, you've worn down your keyboard from typing out unprecedented to describe the situation we now find ourselves in. The nearest comparisons that can be drawn to this, if any, are probably the Great Recession and 9-11 before that. How does COVID-19 compare to what we've experienced in the past as an industry? There are some loose comparisons between 9-11, the Great Recession, what's going on now. The biggest thing and the most obvious thing is the vast impact on our on our industry. We are, you know, we have aircraft grounded, we have companies laying off, all of which happened in all three areas. But why it happened and how it got there are completely different. And, you know, for instance, with the Great Recession, a lot of it came about because people weren't being fisc- fiscally responsible. The um, ramp up in manufacturing was exceeding what our industry had capacity for. In 9-11, there were deep restrictions on our industry, but it was because you know, were looked upon and perceived as weapons. Now there are restrictions, but it has nothing to do with the aircraft themselves. It has everything to do with the virus. And in fact, our aircraft are looked at much differently. They're looked at as a big help, relief. They're doing repatriation missions. They're carrying equipment and necessary supplies. Bill, I'd like to expand on something Carrie mentioned. Many business aviation OEMs, operators, and other companies were on more sound financial footing before COVID-19 hit our country. But how long can that benefit last? Certainly, the industry seemed to be, I agree, on on a sounder footing uh, than at those other times. But Immediately, uh, obviously, that changed. I was talking to uh, Tim Obitz at uh, NATA, and he said in the case of FBOs, by mid-March, their business is down between 75 and 95%. That this has more than paused all businesses, with the exception of supermarkets and drugstores. Sorry to use the word, but that is unprecedented. And So the enemy is, as Carrie mentioned, is this invisible terror for which we have no 
no counterpoint. We, we have nothing to combat it with as yet. That makes it very different from all the things that have preceded it. And I, I find comparisons very difficult, other than the airplanes are sitting on the ground for the most part. Yeah, there are those doing relief missions and repatriating people, but the repatriations are over. And the uh, equipment missions are being taken over by Boeings and others. It's a very strange time. It is indeed, and it's a situation that was nearly impossible to prepare for. Having said that, Bill, what has our industry done right in your eyes in responding to COVID-19? And what perhaps could we have done a bit differently in your view? Well, I think one of the things the industry has done right is, for example, is what we're doing right now, and that is communicating. I, I my hats off to NBA for one. Uh, the amount of information they're putting out on a daily basis is phenomenal. But we, we're doing it as well with the Aviation Week group, and I know AIN's doing it too. We see our mission is providing information, relevant information, and timely information to an industry that's that's begging for it. On uh, another front, the associations, NBAA, NATA, AOPA. They've been working hard not only to provide information, but provide information and influence on on Capitol Hill to find relief uh, for aircraft owners, for aviation companies. And and they've had some success, as as you know, the CARES Act and the the Payroll Protection Act. those Those are really important, and I give them credit. And they've also been successful in getting some regulatory relief from the FAA on, on, on medicals, for example, and, and, and other things. So, so good on them. And you said a third one. I, I'm having problems with what anyone has done wrong. Seems to me that the industry has done pretty well. I, I guess a fault would be that no one stored enough toilet paper in their hangar. <laughs> Carrie, what do you think we've done well as an industry during this crisis? First of all, I want to just endorse everything Bill said, that what the communication and the connection and the efforts of the association to make sure that our industry can keep going and stand up once the restrictions start to ease up. I am going to back up a little bit on that question and say what they have done right really dates back to the Great Recession and beforehand when they began an industry advocacy the no play, no gain, and just pounding the hill and getting out the message in the public domain over the past decade, it's really gotten across the message that business aviation is just not for the, as play toys, that they're useful machines that could help. And right now, more than ever, they're needed because you need to get these supplies. I did a story about Angel Flight out in Colorado. They're bringing in respirators and other medical equipment to rural airports. There's no way you could get that to them in a timely way if you didn't use business aviation, you didn't use general aviation. But importantly, The first reaction of governments whenever something really devastating happens, or so it has seemed in the past, is let's shut down business aviation, let's push it aside, and let's restrict it, let's tax it, let's do whatever we can because it's not necessary. And now we see it being more welcomed. How can we use business aviation? We have FAA working to keep those planes flying. And despite the rumors, the government has given every indication that they want the system to continue working and they want business aviation to be a part of it. The other point I was going to make, Rob, was 
just by the fiscal responsibility. And I had mentioned this before in 2008, the industry kind of fell in a trap of being over optimistic and maybe overbuilding and maybe putting too much into the market. Now they're not overbuilding. They've right-sized their order books. They've been very careful about building up white tails. They've been um, very careful about trading. And um, as a result, I think they're in better shape. Those are great points. And along similar lines, I'd also like to give credit to OEMs, support providers, and other businesses in our industry. We've seen manufacturers and other companies, even those outside the industry but who utilize business aviation, switch up their entire operating models to produce ventilators, intubation boxes, face shields, masks, and other gear and equipment. Not only does that help the medical personnel and patients across our country who need those supplies, but it also serves to keep those companies functioning in some capacity and keep what employees they can on the job. I just think that's a tremendous effort on their part, and it's been incredible to see. Yeah, and but it's also, if you will, incredible to realize that we had such a terrible shortage. Uh, that speaks to a whole different industry and a whole different concern, but that 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 this production, this amazing surprise production on the part of these companies is really necessary, is a little unsettling. That's very true and probably a separate conversation entirely. Now, Carrie, I know many listeners are concerned about the detrimental effects this situation has had on our industry. What effects do you feel will linger the longest? Rob, there are so many different aspects of this that is detrimental, but I think the biggest one that comes to mind is people. Coming into this, we had a huge people shortage. It was all anybody was talking about. It was on everybody's mind. And now we have a glut of people because so many people have been laid off. They've been furloughed. Now, with furloughs, you you can bring back your people, but a number of people have just been cut loose. And when we come out of that and the jobs start to you know, come back or are needed again, where will these people be? And have we turned more people off to this industry? Will it be even that much harder to get the right talent in place to get it done? Now, on on top of that is what toll this is going to take on the economy. And that's going to be the single biggest thing on our recovery. Because if the economy is in um, a really bad place, then people simply are not going to invest and buy airplanes. So, you know, we see situations where the entertainment industry, the sports industry, the hotel industry, um, oil and gas, major, major industries are really, really struggling. And there just isn't going to be the money to invest. And that has a direct correlation on the industry. The other thing is the fear factor. Will people want to fly again? And, you know, there is an upside to it where people may want to step on air on private airplanes, but they may not want to stay in hotels. They may not want to go to um, restaurants. So all of that may be a deterrent for people actually coming back into the system. Bill, what are your thoughts? Well, I alluded to it earlier, and, and that is the failure of uh, small businesses in aviation. Um, and I think the ones that are particularly vulnerable are the ones at little airports, little general aviation and business aviation airports in, in, in the more remote areas of the country. If they fail, 
I don't know what takes their place. And, and, and that really strikes at the heart of uh, business and general aviation infrastructure. So that's a major concern. I, I don't know what the status is at this point, but you can't have 95% of your business go away and just keep writing checks. You just can't do it. So I'll be keenly interested to see what happens on the other end. I, I, I agree with uh, Carrie on all her points. I know that uh, the uh, general aviation industry hired PricewaterhouseCoopers to do an assessment of, you know, just the significance of GA. And, and one of the, the facts that surprised me was that in 2018, General aviation and business aviation aircraft carried 120 million passengers. That just kind of blew me away, 120 million on little airplanes. And those people spend something like $6 billion on, on hotels and restaurants. That is not insignificant. That's a very interesting point and one we perhaps should start gearing up for now as an industry. Now let's cast a more optimistic eye toward things. Carrie, what green shoots might we see going forward to indicate that business aviation is, in fact, on the path toward recovery, or at least something a little more familiar? Well, Rob, I think there are a few nubs, if you will. I wouldn't quite call them shoots yet, but there are, is some optimism. There is some flying still going on. And, you know, everybody is keeping the machine going forward. Like people who can do online training are doing it online. Any sort of recurrency that they can do, they are doing however they can. Argus, who comes out with number, who tracks operations, is predicting in the U.S. anyways, maybe the latter part of May. Um, they think May is going to be down by more than 40% year over year, but maybe towards the end, as the various regions start opening back up and these stay-at-home orders start lifting, they expect you'll start seeing some flying. And it's really, you have to get those airplanes back in the air because unless they're flying, then they're not buying fuel. They're not, you know, needing maintenance. They're not, you know, needing more aircraft to serve their needs. And they are thinking that some of the key markets in the South, such as Texas and Georgia and Florida, will have to lead the way in the U.S. FA working with the industry, I know I mentioned this earlier, will be really important. But also when you start to see manufacturers recall their workers, some of them are trying to keep nominal production, but we're heading into earnings season now. And I think you'll see a much better first quarter than second quarter, but it'll be just how quickly they can ramp back up and get people back in the right places. Bill, what about you? Well, in, again, in talking to Tim Obitz at the NATA, he said that he sees some increase in charter bookings, and he was taking great hope in that. And, and sure, that's one of them. It's going to be charters are up, fuel sales are up, um, hours are up. So far, I think the maintenance shops have been fairly, fairly busy. So that's an indication that the operators want their aircraft to be, you know, ready to go when they're ready to go. And, and that's a good sign as well. 
I'm glad you mentioned MROs because I've also spoken with quite a few lately. Like you said, Bill, for the most part, they've stayed fairly busy so far through this situation. It really seems clear that business aviation operators recognize this downtime as an opportunity to have maintenance performed and to make sure their aircraft are ready to go again when they're called upon. Here, here. I mean, they're complex machines. They need steady, regular maintenance. And it's, you know, you got to do it anyway. And it's a downtime. So why not now? My last question for you both is one we've all kind of talked around during this conversation. Business aviation has had to respond to adversity many times before, and we've proven as an industry to be resilient through multiple crises. What aspects do you think will help our industry emerge from the current situation? I think well, the fundamentals of business aviation are, are very much in its favor. If you've got to get from here to there and it's a thousand miles away, and uh, it's a major deal, business aviation is the answer. I mean, it just is the answer. You, you go directly to that person. We go to 5,000 airports. The airlines used to go to about 450 or something like that. And some of those, they hardly went to at all. I have to wholeheartedly agree with Bill. It, it's just going to be the confidence of the flyer. With business aviation, you do not have to go through a terminal and you can step on a private airplane where you know that it's been treated and it's limited people and you can get right where you need to and we can move all the displaced pieces back into where they need to be and fairly quickly. So I think this is, you know, this really has been business aviation's time to shine. And also, you know, again, perception will be much stronger, at least from the public purview, because of all the goodwill that they're doing now. Another thing that'll, it's not just business aviation, but it's in aviation in general, are fuel prices. You know, while the oil and gas industry will have a largely negative impact on the market. Fuel prices will be low, so everybody's costs are going to be much lower. So that's going to help get a, get aircraft back in the air. So, you know, going back, Rob, to your opening question, you know, with the Great Recession, corporate flight departments were hiding their airplanes in hangars, and they didn't want to use them, and they didn't want to acknowledge they had them. And now this is a tool that they can use to begin doing their businesses again. You can read both Carrie's and Bill's latest articles and columns in print and at AINonline.com and AviationWeek.com, respectively. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or download them from NBAA.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan.